passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special Sunday afternoon edition of the UFC Post Show. I am the Big Phil Combo, live here from Aurora, Ontario, Canada, the Big Phil Palace, usually the uh, place, the epicenter of Saturday night's uh, fight talk. Uh, but we're, we're here for a special Sunday afternoon edition, and I'm joined by the wonderful, potentially hungover, Eric Marcotte. Eric, how are you doing? Uh, this this was a rough day. I mean, it was. I, I, got, I, I got up to uh, rewatch rewatch the show, of course, because I didn't really remember it too much. And uh, I'm hanging in here. You know, I, I made it. You made it. <laughs> yes, I bet. I really made it. Yes, uh, of course. Happy belated birthday to you, Eric. You're now you. you're now legally old enough to drive, thankfully. So uh, uh, that's exciting. Uh, yesterday was Eric's birthday, and he celebrated with a night off where he did not have to report on any mixed martial arts events, no PFL, no Bellator, no UFC. He just seemed to be hanging out and having a good time. So it was nice to for you to just enjoy yourself like that. Did you enjoy yourself last night, Eric? I did. Maybe maybe too much. <laughs> there's There's no such thing. Meanwhile, I had a complete brain fart about today. Uh, I, I planned my whole day around this 2 p.m. start time. I went to the gym early. I went for lunch. I dropped off my kid at 1 o'clock with plenty of time. And I'm like, you know, I got nothing to do today. Why don't I go hit a patio? It's beautiful outside. So I'm finishing my drink and I get a message from our man, Neil Flanagan, saying, hey, good luck with the show. I'm like, oh, shit. I got a show to do. So I just like scurried over here and thankfully I made it in time. Just a complete mental lapse this morning. I don't I don't know what happened, but I'm happy to be here. Uh this is better than a patio and uh, excited to talk about uh UFC uh, 276. Uh me, me too. All right. So why don't we just get right into it? So uh the event took place from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, across the street from the MGM Grand Garden Arena where uh UFC where uh, WWE Money in the Bank was taking place and uh this wouldn't be the only uh, WWE connection on the night. Uh on the broadcast were John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Daniel Cormier. And before we get into the action, Eric, just wanted to get your thoughts on this fight card. You know, Israel Adesanya headlining another event, the trilogy fight between Max and Volkanovsky, and just, you know, a pretty stacked card top to bottom on paper before we even, you know, got to uh, fight time. Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to this one. I mean, you had fights on the early prelims like Andre Muniz versus Uriah Hall that could potentially headline a fight night event at the Apex, so... They really went all out uh, in terms of stacking this card top to bottom for International Fight Week. 
That's right. It was International Fight Week, and we had a couple of uh, inductees into the Hall of Fame. Daniel Cormier, Habib Nurmagomedov, Duho Choi versus Cub Swanson, and I believe that was it. There was also some human, uh, sort of like community awards handed out, but a much smaller class than, than normal, but certainly some uh, well-deserving inductees this year. Um, all right, so why don't we get into the action? Uh, we'll, we'll start with the uh, main event. Now, uh, before the main event started, the UFC broadcast showed, you know, the number one family in wrestling, ringside, cage side, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Paul Levesque, and Pac Ma Pat McAfee wearing a neck brace. And if you paid attention, they were joined by their good old friend, Nevada's own Nick Khan, who showed up, I guess, later, or maybe they kept him off camera. Uh, so, yeah, I guess after uh, Money in the Bank was over, they just hopped over uh, to watch not just, you know, a UFC show, but an homage to one of the greatest characters in WWE history. Israel Adesanya comes out with the full Undertaker gimmick, the music, the hat, the urn. If only the fight was as good as the entrance. <laughs> he was setting the tone, the Undertaker's entrance. It's very, uh, you know, slow paced. Uh, not too much happens, but you get those like big bolts of lightning every now and then. He was just setting the tone. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, why don't you uh, let us know how the fight actually played out, Eric? All right. So the fight starts. Our main event, Israel Adesanya defending his UFC middleweight championship against Jared Cannonier. Uh, the fighters do not touch gloves to begin the main event. And honestly, neither fighter is very active early in the fight. Adesanya is slightly ahead in terms of activity. He's throwing a lot of leg kicks mainly. He mixes in some body ones as well. Uh, Cannoneer tries to respond with some some of his own leg kicks, but the activity wasn't quite there, so I thought this was a pretty clear round for Adesanya. Not an entertaining one, but it is what it is. There's going to be a lot of that going around in this fight. But going to round two, Adesanya continues to attack the lead like Cannoneer. And Cannoneer, he's really having trouble getting going offensively. Uh, Adesanya always very active with feints, uh, and it leads to a lot of fights like this. The, the crowd just started... Uh, Voicing their displeasure at the pace of the fight, but that did not prompt either man to adjust their strategy. There's an inverted eye poke to Cannoneer at one point, but uh, he's able to recover fairly quickly. And then late in the round, Adesanya is really finding a home for his jab, which is really his best weapon throughout this fight. It's it's landing hard, knocking Cannoneer's head back, and causes a bit of swelling around the eye. So uh, at the end of the round, uh, Adesanya stares Cannoneer down and starts taunting him, which... I don't know if that really fit the tone of this fight, but I mean, do what you gotta do. 2018 Adesanya, go into round three, and Adesanya defends a takedown in time from Kanyer and tags him with another really hard jab. They're like, those jabs are really doing good work for him. He continues to defend Kanyer's attempt to bring the fight to the ground, and uh, Kanyer does find a bit of success in this round. He catches Adesanya with some heavy hooks as he tries to rush in in these clinch exchanges. Uh, he keeps going for takedowns. None of them works, but he, he does uh, land some good shots against the cage. Uh, this was probably the closest round of the fight. I did think that Cannoneer won this one. Uh, he outlanded Adesanya, and I thought he landed more damaging strikes in this round. Uh, how did he score? So I actually fight? gave this one to Cannoneer as well. Uh, it was pretty close until he started clinching, and I think the big difference was just 
what you just described. In the clinch, he was able to land some strikes. On the separations, he was able to land the heavier strikes. And because Israel didn't really have too much success in the early part of the round, I thought that this was the only round you could give to Cannoneer. Yeah, we go into round uh, four, and they're exchanging body shots before Adesanya goes back to that jab, which, like I said, it's not in Cannoneer's back. It's uh, very effective for him, and Cannoneer didn't really seem to have an answer for it. Uh, He's trying to shoot for takedowns, but Adesanya's takedown defense continues to hold up. Uh, I I did say, like, uh, in the final minutes of this round, Cannoneer started to land some heavy right hands. Uh, They might have actually been the most damaging shots of the round, you could argue, but... It, I thought it was a bit too too little, too late. Uh, he really didn't get going until the end of the round, so I, I give this one to Adesanya as well. We head into round five. Uh, Canier's corner tells him that he's down. They, they urge him through in combination, but that didn't really happen. Adesanya's feints are still causing him to hesitate uh, for most of the action. Adesanya is outlining him on the feet, defending takedown attempts, and Canier does try to flurry forward in the final minute of the fight, and he catches Adesanya with a straight right hand. That was a decent shot, but once again, it just it, it wasn't enough. So I thought this was another round for Adesanya. I scored the fight 49-46 for Israel Adesanya. Uh, two of the judges saw it the same way. One went 50-45, and Israel Adesanya retains the UFC middleweight championship. So uh, what do you think about the fight? Uh, I scored it the exact same way as you, 49-46, just giving Cannoneer that third round. Uh, it was definitely a... I mean, it was a bit of a lackluster fight, uh, but I thought there was a, still a fair bit of action. I mean, Israel was aggressive, but not super risky. Cannoneer was trying to mix it up, trying anything he could to, to get past uh, Israel's defense, but but it just wasn't good enough. He had far more leg kicks than he normally throws. He he was trying different angles, but there there was just too much of a skill gap, and it didn't really matter how much will or desire that Cannoneer had. He wasn't going to overcome it. Uh, I I thought he tried to pressure Israel a fair amount in this fight, but Israel was just so successful at evading. And as you mentioned, the jab was on point for most of the night and it just stalled the advances enough. Uh, but because of the sort of one-sided and heavily technical nature of it, it, it didn't make for the most thrilling of contests. I actually was worried it would be worse than this because of the way that Israel has sort of approached some of the he- other heavy hitters. And I thought that maybe because of his historical lack of throwing kicks, Cannoneer w- would be behind the eight ball quite a bit in this one. Uh, so it was actually a little bit closer than I thought it would be. But nonetheless, not really a thrilling fight and not really one you can recommend for uh, people to go back, I-, I think, to watch unless you're just like a diehard Izzy fan. Um, so, you know, we've seen a few of these now with Israel Adesanya. You know, he- he's an extremely exciting uh, performer. You know, he brings it throughout the entire week. Uh you know, including the walkouts, the press conferences, the interviews, all that. He, he's an entertainer, a showman, but ultimately it comes down to what you do in the cage. And he's clearly the top of the food chain. But are you worried that maybe there'll be some blowback around, you know, his style of fighting? Or do you think it's just people just remember, you know, the highlights? They just remember your last great performance? Well, I, I definitely do think that there's going to be some uh, disinterest from fans in, in terms of Israel Adesanya fights at this point. It's been, uh, you know, uh, like four or five of these kind of style of fights in a row now for him. 
that being said, the second he gets one big finish or has one exciting fight again, that's going to become, oh, yeah, Israel Adesanya is the most exciting fighter in the world. So it's that's just how it is for everyone. You're just as good as your last fight, right? That's that's people's mentality. And, yeah, he's had a couple boring ones as of late, but nonetheless, he's got his hand raised. And when that's the case, I think uh, at least I, I look more at, like, for a fight like we saw last night, I look more at Jared Cannonier. I'm like, all right, if you're down, you're the one who may, needs to make something happen, not out of Sonya, who's, who's clearly winning. That's right. Yeah, yeah, a little more. I mean, he was taking risks. It's just there was also a little – there's a little bit of risk aversion in Israel's style as well, right? He's not going to put himself in harm's way, even though he was fairly aggressive at points in this fight. Uh, now, I mean, that begs the question of who's next for him. Um, but I think we'll park that discussion for when we get to the other middleweight contest that's on the card, uh, because it'll be worthwhile then. Um, so why don't we uh, then move on to the other title fight, the long-anticipated trilogy bout between Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky holding a 2-0 and record. Of course, the first fight was competitive, although most people would, would clearly say that Volkanovsky won. The second fight was a lot closer. People split. Most of the media thought Holloway won. Going into this fight, uh, what did you think was uh, going to happen, Eric? I expected a uh, close competitive fight. Like I, I did think that Volkanovski won the first one clearly, but it was still a very competitive bout for all five rounds. And I scored the second bout for Max Holloway. So I think when you look at those fights, as well as what both men have done since then in their two fights where they both looked fairly dominant against their respective opponents, uh, I was expecting another very high-level competitive matchup. Uh, maybe I, I would lean towards Volkanovski if I had to pick who I was... Uh, predicting to win going into the fight but i wasn't sure i definitely had no certainties about how the fight would play out uh how about you phil yeah i mean i was expecting another close competitive fight i i was leaning towards holloway just sort of based on how the first the second fight went holloway i thought won as well uh the he controlled more of the rounds uh volkanovsky was able to adjust and win rounds but he sort of edged them out and it was through the wrestling and i feel i i anticipated that uh max would be prepared for that turns out none of that even mattered so uh, so why don't you let us know how this uh this what was supposed to be one of the most anticipated fights of the year went down again so the first round and volkanovsky lands the big the first big shot of the fight, he lands this heavy right hand, and he's doing a really good job of catching Max whenever Holloway tried to work his way in, and he seemed to be landing the better strikes whenever they were exchanging punches in the pocket. Uh, Volkanovski told Holloway at one point, you could hear like the the microphone around the uh, octagon pick the, up what Volkanovski was saying, and he just he tells Max that he's just way too quick for him before he lands a pair of big shots as they break away from a clinch exchange. Uh, a heavy left from Volkanovski finds the target, and he begins to attack the body of Max Holloway as well. Uh, Holloway kind of came on in the final minute of the round, landed his best strikes, but this was still a very clear round for Alexander Volkanovski. We go into round two. Uh, Holloway's trying to pressure forward, but Volkanovski's just beating him to the punch uh, every time, really. He, he moves in, he lands his shots, and he gets out of range before Holloway can even respond. Uh, Volkanovski tags Max with a heavy elbow after Holloway successfully defends a takedown. Then he lands this right hand that just opens up a nasty cut above the left eye of Max Holloway. Uh, Volkanovski's leg kicks are starting to add up as well because they were, they were getting reactions out of Holloway whenever he snuck one in. 
2018 Volkanovski, very clear. We're going into round three. Uh, this is when Volkanovski really starts working his jab, and he goes back to the body as well. I, I thought Max did a good job of just uh, wearing the body shots, but nonetheless, those are going to add up, even if it's not uh, visibly evident. Uh, Holloway was throwing a bit more kicks in this round, but Volkanovski was uh, avoiding the bigger ones while continuing to do significant damage with his jab as well as these short hooks that he was landing. Holloway's takedown attempts, uh, or takedown defense that is, did hold up, but he ate a big spinning elbow as they broke from the clinch at one point. Uh, towards the end of the round, Volkanovski has a huge right hand, and uh, it's a testament to Max's chin that he had not been knocked down at this point in the fight. Uh, 30 to 27 for Alexander Volkanovski, heading into round four. Listen, by the time we're getting into round four, Max Holloway's face is just a bloody mess. Both of his eyes are compromised due to the cut above his left eye that we mentioned earlier. And Volkanovski's jab was continuously landing at his right eye, so it was damaged too. Uh, where was he here? Volkanovski, I mean, Holloway's corner is being honest with him. They're telling him that he's in need of a finish, and you think he's going to come in a bit more aggressively, but you just can't find the target with Max Holloway, uh, or with Volkanovski, that is. Volkanovski is continuing to control the fight, outlands Holloway uh, considerably, which... I don't know if that's ever happened before. And he keeps landing these hard right hands. Uh, it was another dominant round for Volkan into round five. And this is the first time in Max's career that he's ever been down four rounds to nothing heading into the fifth round. So we go into the fifth round and Volkanovski slaps Holloway with a head kick just like a minute into the round. And he controls him against the cage for some time. Volkanovski connects with some powerful right hands. And like I said, Max's chin throughout this bout was uh, something to behold because he was getting caught by some bombs. Uh, Holloway did, tried to flurry forward towards the end of the round, but he was just he was swinging it in the air mostly. The fight went the distance. Uh, all three judges score the fight 50-45, to 45, and Alexander Volkanovsky retains his UFC featherweight championship. Uh, not a competitive fight at all, Phil. Yeah, pretty shocking in that regard. Um I can't I, you can't say that Holloway didn't bring it because he was aggressive he 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 was trying he did seem a little bit flat in certain ways in this fight but I think any sort of critique that we bring to Max just is a disservice to uh what Alex Volkanovsky did because this was an eye-opening performance this is already one of the best fighters in the world this is already the top featherweight in the world, regardless of if you think if you thought that Max won the second fight, it was super close and the judges gave it to Volk. So he's the champ. He's the king. And this was by far his greatest performance in the octagon, considering the level of which at which Max is at, considering how close the fights first two fights were. The way that Max had been fighting recently against Yair Rodriguez and Calvin Cater, just another level. And so for Volkanovsky to come in here and make such a statement, it really positions himself not only as the top featherweight, clearly, but you know now he's like way high up there on the pound for pound list. And considering that you know the only people left in the division are Rodriguez and Emmett, who are sort of like right up there. It, it seems like maybe the next move is to go up in weight. What do you think about that, Eric? 
Um, Volkanovski definitely expressed his interest in moving up in weight, so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. I mean, he's on what a 12 fight UFC win streak now, so w- once you get to 12 wins, you're in the status of all right, you can do pretty much what you want. You've established yourself as a generational fighter. Um, there's still plenty of fights from at Featherweight. He really hasn't fought that many people since he made it to the top. He's, he's fought Max Holloway three times, so like three of his five title fights are against Max Holloway, right? So there's still plenty of fighters for him to, uh, be matched up against in the future. I could see him splitting his time between divisions. I think he may have said that in his post-fight interview. So, uh, just a tremendous performance, absolutely tremendous. He made Max Holloway look exactly like he made the Korean Zombie look. Just Max had a better chin. Uh, he made him look like Brian Ortega looked in the face. It, it, it's yeah, incredible. I mean, in regards to the rest of the featherweight crop, yeah, there are definitely some names he hasn't fought against, but all those names seem to trade wins with each other, and nobody has really. Sp- you know, separated themselves from the pack. We thought maybe Calvin Cater would have an opportunity to do that. He lost that fight to Josh Emmett very close. You know, that's a big win for Emmett, but is it enough to really motivate people to want to see him fight uh, for the title? Yair Rodriguez, super exciting fighter, but of course, coming off of a loss to uh, Max Holloway doesn't really put him in title contention. So the idea of Alex moving up, Let's say he moves up. Do you want to see him challenge for the belt right away, or would you like to see him go against the different uh, light heavyweight, potentially, you know, somebody like uh, Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler, someone of that ill? Uh, I, I think uh, Alexander Volkanovsky is on a level where he's probably not going to move up. And it is for a title. I don't see why he would, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful and say waste his time fighting someone like Justin Gaethje, but I, I feel like if he does move up, it's going to be for the status of being a two-division champion. Um, Obviously, who that's against remains to be seen, especially if that somehow ends up getting put together next. Uh, It it likely won't, as I I believe he actually, uh, Volkanovski broke his hand in the first round. So he's probably probably going to be up for a while. I mean, he broke his hand in the first round, and he absolutely dominated Max Holloway for the remainder of the fight. Uh, uh, it just tells you the type of performance that yeah. we're talking about. Here. Sorry, I'm getting cat interference here. She's ready to just she's she's <laughs> we, ready we to tell. just destroy this this whole operation. <laughs> I, can, I can blame the no show on her. Uh, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So you know he did give an impassioned uh, post fight speech. Volkanovski did telling people to stand up for yourself. You know, don't back down in uh, the words of Tom Petty. And he did express a desire to become a double champ and defend both belts. He wants to be active. This is his second fight this year. I'm sure if his hand is able to recover, he'll want to get a third one in as well. All right. So now moving down the card, we get to the middleweight battle between Sean Strickland and Alex Pejea. Pejea... You know, everybody thought he was getting rushed into this. You know, they're trying to get him in there to face Izzy because uh, Izzy's sort of chopping down the trees of the middleweight division and there's not many standing. So this was definitely seen as a number one contender's fight, um, even though it's very advanced uh, in the career of Pejea. But he's quite old and he's got a lot of kickboxing experience and, of course, two wins, including a big knockout over Izzy. Um, so, yeah, how'd it go down there? 
So from the opening bell, uh, Strickland is marching forward with his hands low, uh, very much engaging Pierre on the feet here, which uh, wasn't a guarantee, even though Strickland is typically a striker. Uh, Pierre lands a number of leg kicks as well as some jabs to the body. And as Strickland is marching forward, a big left hook from Pierre rocks him. And Pierre is so fast once he hurts him. He hits him like two more times, knocks him out with a big right hand. And just like that, the fight's over. Uh, Alex Pierre wins by knockout at two minutes and 36 seconds of round one. Uh, This is exactly what the UFC wanted. They got it here. Uh, What what a finish for Alex Pierre. I guess the fourth-ranked middleweight. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, Strickland had an incredible run. I mean, he was undefeated at middleweight in the UFC. All of his losses had come at welterweight, which is kind of crazy. Uh, one thing you notice, Paheo was significantly larger than Strickland. And Strickland's oh, he's up. huge. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, all this talk about, you know, Strickland taking him to the ground, he didn't even get a chance, right? He didn't even get a chance to try. And uh, just an incredible counter left. Two follow-ups that probably weren't even needed and just a highlight reel finish. And it pretty much sets up this middleweight uh, rematch, I guess. Champion versus champion. Kickboxing legends going at it in MMA. Uh, so what do you think about that fight? Uh, what do you think Pahea's chances are? I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, if it's a striking match, right? Yeah, I really, like, I don't have any ideas. If you, if you watch the fights, which we have, I believe... You can see that just the tale of saying Alex Pierre won both fights is slightly misleading. Mm-hmm. It's the truth, but that doesn't describe how the fights are playing out. Correct. Either. Yes. Israel Adesanya likely should have won the first one, but you know it happens, and he was winning the second one until he got knocked out. That being said, obviously Pierre is a very heavy hitter and accomplished kickboxer himself, and I think that's a matchup that's really going to interest people. I mean. Adesanya, in his post-fight interview after his win in the main event, made it clear that's who he wants to fight next. And who's your top contender at middleweight right now, right? I don't know. Uh, Go for it. Make the fight. Yeah, I I think so as well, especially considering that, you know, the light heavyweight option has been already exhausted by Adesanya. And, you know, there's a story here, right? There's some highlights to show, and it does demand to be at least in some ways, an exciting fight. You know, they're both counter strikers, so it's a little bit concerning what could, you know, how that could transpire. But I think on paper, uh, it will generate a lot of interest, even though Pehe is not a household name, but that's the UFC's job to promote him, to show those highlights. And I'm sure they'll put it on another, uh, they'll put on another strong fight on that card as well to help bolster it. Um, I would suspect they do it in Vegas again. Uh, yeah, probably. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, now uh, moving down to the more exciting portion of the card. We get to 
Welterweight Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barberina. This fight got promoted after uh, Misha Tate versus who? Who was it? Misha Tate versus uh, Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy, of course. Lauren Murphy got uh, scrapped. I think that fight is happening a little bit later now. Um, so this fight got promoted to uh, the main card, and boy, was that a treat! Definitely. I, I was surprised this fight wasn't on the main card as of is because this is a matchup where you look at it on paper and you're like, all right, that's that's going to be a banger. And it definitely was. I mean, the fight starts and Lawler's attacking the body. He's mixing in these heavy left hands to the head whenever Barbarina dropped his guard. Uh, Barbarina's working his jab in response, but he's getting tagged by some big shots early in this fight. Uh, Lawler's connecting with these huge uppercuts. Uh, Barbarina's able to stay on his feet. Uh, Barbarina is attacking the body as well. And I thought his body work was uh, really good here. Something that not many people have done to Robbie Lawler over the years. And he's also mixing in these short elbows. Uh, Lawler has very unique guard that he attempts in fights. He uh, likes to move his hands around and roll with punches. It's typically very effective. But what Brian Barbarina was doing here by attacking the body and instead of just trying to wing punches at him, hitting him with these elbows, he was finding his target in ways that prior fighters against Robbie Lawler haven't been able to. So really good work. But uh, Robbie's still landing the better shots. He looks a bit quicker than Brian Barbarina. And uh, that was your first round. And it was a really entertaining round. I, I thought Robbie Lawler won the first, but it was very competitive. We go into round two. Lawler is really working his jab, landing in some powerful, powerful shots. Barbarina is eating these big left hands before he flurries forward with his own combinations. Uh, this we're, we're getting to a point in the fight where the body work has taken its toll, and Robbie Lawler is starting to. Uh, he's not slowing down a bit, but you can you can tell the difference in output is starting to overwhelm him because Brian Barbarina is just going, going, going. Lawler is trying to. Okay, can I reset? Uh, He's still throwing these big hooks, but the output isn't there in comparison to what Brian Barberina was doing. And he's starting to get backed up and overwhelmed. So Barberina keeps going forward. Uh, Lawler is still tagging him with some hard shots. Like Brian Barberina showcased a hell of a chin here. Eventually, as Lawler is taking a step forward, Barberina gets him with this uh, big looping right hand. And it rocks Robbie. Barbarina goes right on the attack, trying to finish the fight. He turns into a brawl. Lawler's trying to swing back, but he's clearly still very hurt. And Barbarina does not let up. Eventually, his volume is just a bit too much for Robbie, and the fight was being stopped as Barbarina just like teed off on Lawler against the cage. Uh, good stoppage in my mind. Uh, Brian Barbarina wins by TKO at 4 minutes and 47 seconds of round 2. Really fun fight. Yeah, excellent fight. Uh, you know, as you mentioned in the in the pre-show on Thursday, uh, Robbie Lawler. Of course, he's been in wars and 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 taken a lot of shots, but he does have a style where he's pretty effective at rolling with punches, letting them balance off his shoulders and his hands. And he was doing that effectively, especially in the first round. Yeah. And as you pointed out, Barbarina countered that with three aspects. First, just volume, just pure volume. The body shots and those elbows up the middle. Those were getting through the guard. And ultimately, in the second round, even though I scored the first round for Lawler as well, he just had the heavier shots, despite Barbarino having almost like double the output. And then the second round, it was looking very similar. Robbie was landing even bigger shots, but the pace was just a little bit too much. And then there was one elbow in particular up the middle that... 
Robbie just couldn't recover from. Incredible poker face, but because of the pressure of Barbarina, you're not going to get a break to recover. And he poured it on. And uh, it was a really impressive showing. Um, I thought even by both men, like, like there was a lot of good aspects out of the way Robbie fought, especially for a 40-year-old going up against a really hungry, busy fighter. And then Barbarina, yeah, hell of a chin. There was a game plan here in this fight, not just his typical move forward and brawl. And uh, very effective. You know, a win over Robbie Lawler at this point in your career, it's, you know, it's a big name, somebody that the fans recognize, but not a huge ranked guy. I mean, he's not ranked. So what are your thoughts on, you know, where you'd like to see Brian Barberina fight next and also you know what do you do with robbie lawler at this point right is he just going to be relegated to sort of like has been fights because you know he was very competitive in this one um i'll start with barbarina i think barbarina is actually best utilized in fights like this he's a fighter who does have a ceiling based on his style and i think if you want to utilize this guy to his fullest potential you match him up with guys like Matt Brown. You match him up with guys with like uh, Robbie Lawler, uh, or if you want to go high in the rankings, he once fought Vicente Luque, who fights a very similar style, and they had a hell of a fight like that too. So, just look for fun fights for this guy, and you're gonna go right every time. I, I don't think I don't know if he'll ever be a ranked fighter, honestly, but I think there's definitely a spot for him in big shows like this. Whenever you just like. Put him against anyone. Like I said, you, you have a fun fight. And these pay-per-view cards often need a guy like Brian Barberina. Uh, as for Robbie Lawler, kind of the same boat. His prime is a long time ago, but he can still go. You match him up against the more uh, entertaining, older fighters in the division. Put him against Matt Brown or Carlos Condit, who I think is actually retired now. But, you know, that that type of fighter. And you, there, you, there's still value in Robbie Lawler. So uh, there's no uh, last run to a title for Robbie. You know, that, that's not happening. But he's still fun, and he can still do interesting things. He's not a guy who just goes out there to brawl. He's a very good fighter. Absolutely. Um, You know, one thing on Brian Barberina just to end it off is as well, you know, we've definitely seen an incredible maturation through his UFC career, even though, as you say, there may be a ceiling on where he can go. He's improved dramatically since, you know, we saw him uh, beat uh, Sage Northcutt uh, a few years ago and, and all those fights that, you know, have followed. So yes, he's a, he's a brawler. He's a wild fighter, but he's getting better and he's getting smarter. And, uh, I'm not really willing to say he'll never be ranked. You know, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a title challenger, but I wouldn't be surprised if that pressure and just that able to withstand, uh, you know, powerful shots wins him a lot of uh you know grindy type fights yeah i don't disagree all right so next up to start the pay-per-view we had sugar sean o'malley going up against what theoretically on paper was his toughest matchup to date pedro muñoz how'd this This one go this was an interesting one on paper because Munoz has a style that you would say, okay, this guy loves to throw leg kicks. Sean O'Malley doesn't like leg kicks. And guess what? This fight was the leg kick fight because <laughs> for for its entirety, this fight consisted of Pedro Munoz throwing leg kicks at Sean O'Malley. Now, O'Malley did his best, and he checked a lot of these to his credit, but 
he wasn't getting off uh, his own offense in the sense that he typically does. He was definitely a bit hesitant. And Munoz had a lot of success in the first round, even if it's not the most entertaining thing you see. He just kicked the leg over and over and over again, and it worked out for him. Two of the three judges did score the first round in the favor of Pedro Munoz. Uh, Did you? Uh, Yes. Okay, I didn't. I gave it to O'Malley. I just thought that it's like, yeah, some of, there were leg kicks. There was checked leg kicks, but also O'Malley had some of his own, and O'Malley at least had some hand combinations. I don't think that there was a fist that landed on O'Malley in the first round. No, but I mean, O'Malley only landed like two punches too. It was like it was just. Leg I think kicks. it was a little bit higher than that, but whatever. It, it was a close round. Not it by was much. A, <laughs> no, it was no, it wasn't like a ton, but he landed a few combos. Anyway, it was a close round, and uh, I don't want to make it seem like uh, it's wild to give it to Munoz, but I think it was, as you said, one of the judges gave it to O'Malley, so I don't feel too out of place. No, no, that's not crazy at all. I mean, going to round two, uh, it's more of the same. I think O'Malley was having a bit more success in the second round. He's landing some right hands over the top that were catching Munoz, but. Uh, you know, it's still finding success just kicking the leg over and over and over again. Uh, O'Malley leaves it right out there, right? So it's always there to be kicked. Uh, eventually, he gets grazed in the eye, and uh, doctors brought in, and Pedro Munoz, I can't see. Uh, he did it twice. I can't see. And that's that. The fight gets stopped. It's uh, no contest. They do an inadvertent eye poke at three minutes and nine seconds of the second round. Very, very anticlimactic and uh, disappointing end to this fight. Jason Herzog was doing his best to figure out a way for the fight to continue. Get me a towel. Get me a wet towel. This is a new one that I <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen. And it happened twice on the card where the ref asked for a towel with water. So I guess that's new. And yeah. he's like, we're just going to wait it out. Advances in medicine. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to wait it out. We'll just get, I can't see. We'll just give you a few minutes. We'll see how it goes. You just rest. We'll see how it goes. And it's like, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear right away that this one's just not going to continue just by his reaction and the, and you know, the, the way that uh, Munoz was expressing himself. Yeah. Pretty disappointing. Certainly no definitive result to the fight o'malley was having a little bit more success but far too presumptuous to 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 give him any type of victory here uh not a fight i'd think they're gonna rebook either because it's just no it, it wasn't it, very entertaining yeah. yeah i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they did it because they can just market it like oh the the eye pulled finish uh, uh-huh. mentally undefeated whatever and <laughs> It wasn't the most entertaining fight. Like like I said, 90% of the fight is just Munoz throwing leg kicks. Some of them get checked, some of them land. Uh, O'Malley was having a bit of success in the second round, but it it really wasn't a great performance from either fighter. Yeah, and this this sort of delays what the UFC was hoping with O'Malley, right? They were hoping that this would set him up as being a ranked fighter, and then they can put him into some main events. I mean, they can still put him in some you know fight night main events. He, he's got enough interest uh, to do that. But uh, I think, you know, I, I still think putting him on a pay-per-view against another top guy is probably the right move for his next fight. Um, just just to get him in, see if he really can be a ranked fighter. I mean, he certainly wasn't out of place guess- here. It was not out of place, right? He, he was right up there. He wasn't out of place with Munoz. At the same time, I thought it was a bit dis- uh, disappointing because Munoz is someone who's very clearly on the decline right mm-hmm. now, like someone who's really slowing down. And I thought that uh, Sean O'Malley would be able to capitalize on that. And he really couldn't in this fight, at least. So uh, 
I, I was a bit disappointed by his performance, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I still look forward to his next one. He's a very talented fighter, and this could just be an outlier. Yeah, I mean, you know, it didn't take long. Like, we didn't even get that long into the second round, right? And and he was yeah. turning it up a little bit. So, like, so yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We didn't get to see the entire fight play out either, right? We were, exa- we were like seven, eight minutes into it when it was no, stopped. Right. So, uh, you kind of have to withhold yeah. judgment. All right, so we'll move on to some of the preliminary cards. So interestingly, uh, this preliminary card was co-broadcast on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus at the same time. So I believe this is the first time that the UFC has been on in prime time on ABC because their previous ABC cards have been on in the middle of the day. But uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, some really uh, exciting fights. Definitely the more entertaining portion of the evening was on the preliminary card. Uh, sort of headlining the preliminary card, you had Brad Riddell going up against Jalen Turner. And, you know, Brad Riddell, an excellent fighter who's just coming off of that loss to Fazeev, you know, no shame in that. I mean, he's essentially undefeated uh, minus that fight. Um, but this one was not close. No, I mean, Turner just cracks him right away, and Riddell, Riddell shoots for a takedown and responds, and Turner just locks in a guillotine choke at 45 seconds, and Riddell is forced to cement. So, hell of a win for Jalen Turner. That's, what, five in a row now, all finishes. This is first one against a ranked opponent, so uh, hell of a win here. I was really Yeah, impressed. absolutely. Probably next to Volkanovski, the second most impressive performance of the night under my book. Uh... Yeah, I mean, Brad Riddell's no joke. Jalen Turner is about to hit the rankings, and there's going to be demand to put him against some really good competition in a very stacked uh, lightweight division. So do you have anything on your mind of who do you'd like to see him against next? Um, That's a good one. Let's take a look at the rankings, Clark. Gamrot? So in, in the... Uh, no, no, he's way too high ranked. I think we're looking at... Uh, Dan Hooker, Dan uh, Armin, Armin, oh, Armin's a good one coming off the loss, yeah. actually. I I, th- I could see them playing that fight together because he looked fantastic despite uh, losing that one. So I, I, I like anything with Armin Saruki and I'm down for. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. He's yes. fantastic. Yes. All right. Okay. And then uh, prior to that fight, we had Jim Miller taking on Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone being booked multiple times this year to face uh, Joe Lozon after that fight fell apart for, what, the third time uh, or at least the second time. I think it was the third time. Uh, the UFC said we're never going to book that fight again. And they quickly rebooked Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone for this event. How'd it go down there? Yeah, the uh, Cerrone Lozon one was just one of those cursed fights. So they opted to pull the rug, and, and we had him fight Jim Miller instead in a rematch of a fight that happened nearly eight years ago that Don Cerrone won by a second round knockout. So we start the fight, and he actually has a fairly similar strategy here. He's attacking the body with kicks, and in response, Miller flurries forward with combinations of punches. Uh, he, he, Cerrone lands a strong leg kick at one point, but he never really goes back to that, which I, I think was a bit of a mistake on his part. Um, Cerrone's doing a pretty good job of utilizing his size advantage over Miller. Like, I thought Miller was having trouble finding the range early while Cerrone is able to pick apart at him from the outside with kicks. Eventually, though, uh, Miller grabs one of those kicks, takes him to the ground. Um, Miller lost the positioning, and 
despite Cerrone taking top position, I thought Miller was pretty active off of his back. So Cerrone wasn't really able to do much while Miller's threatening submissions for the remainder of the round. Uh, we, we go into round two, and <laughs> Cerrone catches Miller with a head kick, but he kind of slips as he's doing it. And Miller just rushes forward and locks in a guillotine choke, and he takes Cerrone down, and it locked in. Cerrone's forced to tap out, so... Jim Miller wins by guillotine choke at a minute and 32 seconds of the second round. Um, weird finish. I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone just get hit kicked and immediately win like that. Before, yeah, well, it looked uh, impressive. Finish it looked like he also landed a shot of his own at the same time. So he landed a body kick. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah, Cerrone slipped and yeah, he just jumped on it. And then, you know, when Jim Miller gets a guillotine, it's, it's pretty hard to get out of it. And uh, that there was no getting out of it for Cowboy Cerrone. Immediately after the fight, Cowboy Cerrone takes off his gloves, puts them in his hat. Jim Miller defers the post-fight speech to Cowboy Cerrone. And Donald Cerrone retires in the ring after losing this fight. This fight also makes Jim Miller the most winning fighter in the history of the UFC. Uh, Cerrone would have taken that crown had he got the W. Um, but Cerrone retires. Uh, he says he doesn't love it anymore, and he wants to go to Hollywood and become a movie star. So, uh, any thoughts on, you know, the career of Donald Cerrone? I, I think we can both agree he's guaranteed Hall of Famer. I mean, I really don't have uh, any strong opinions about his film career, Phil, but if you say <laughs> that he's the Hall of Fame actor, I'll believe you. <laughs> No, he's definitely a UFC Hall of Famer, one of their most consistent, active, and entertaining fighters since he joined the promotion. I mean, he was a very good fighter in his prime as well, challenged for the title, and he has wins over the likes of what, Eddie Alvarez, Benson Henderson, uh, Charles Oliveira, the, the last lightweight champion. So a hell of a run for Donald Cerrone. He had some success at welterweight too when he briefly moved up to that division. Yeah, and he, and this fight, you know, he was he was thrown in it. He was in this fight. It wasn't like some of his more recent performances where he sort of just seemed like completely washed up and overwhelmed. He was trying to win here, but it just didn't work out for him. So uh, happy trails to the Cowboy. Good luck in retirement. Good luck in Hollywood. And... Uh, and uh, we'll see you in a few months when you come back. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> All right. All right. So I'll quickly breeze through some of the other results on the card. You had Ian Gary looked very impressive uh, in his victory over Gabriel Green. Gabriel Green, one of the tougher fighters that Gary's fought in the UFC. And Gary controlled the distance. Green was very game, tried his best to, to you know, pressure Gary. But Gary's movement was incredible. His jab was incredible. And he had a clear uh, 30-27 win on my book. He also had Dracus Duplessis, uh, a favorite going into this fight with Brad Tavares. A bit of a surprise there. But uh, Tavares had a very strong first round. Duplessis tried to go for a uh, souple, as he put it. And uh, he ended up on bottom, but he was able to get up. Duplessis in the second round, he was able to land a knee right up the middle that busted open Tavares. We took that round, and then eventually just the pressure, the combinations, and the reach of Duplessis, uh, he was able to get the third round as well and win this uh, 29-28. I think one judge gave him the first round, which is uh, kind of crazy. Um, but a pretty exciting fighter, pretty wild, but throws in combinations, and I, I think people are going to be eager to see him 
uh, fight uh, in the future. Someone definitely to watch. Yeah, that was a fun fight, and Tavares, never an easy guy to beat. He's kind of been uh, the gatekeeper of the middleweight rankings for a very long time, so that's a big win for Duplessis. Then on the early prelims, we had uh, Uriah Hall taking on Andre Muniz. As you mentioned, this could headline a fight night. Andre Muniz with that amazing victory last year over Jacare Souza, where he broke his arm. Muniz pretty much controlled the whole fight by getting the takedown. He looked good on the feet as well, but it was his ability to get the takedown, get the fight to the ground, get top position, get the back. Hall was able to escape sometimes, but it was just too draining, and whatever time he spent on top was far too little too late. Jessica I took on Macy Barber. Uh, pretty competitive fight here. Jessica I tried to use the wrestling to uh, win this one, but uh, Macy Barber had some very strong frames uh, and used those frames to separate and land a bunch of elbows. Ultimately, Barber gets the decision, and I missed this, but apparently Jessica I retired as well after the fight. She Is that did. Yeah, she okay. left her gloves in the cage and got a uh, nice little interview where she announced her retirement. Okay, well, congratulations to Jessica I on her retirement. Uh, you know, she fought for the title. She's been a contender for several years, uh, but uh, it does seem like uh, the division has passed her by. And so uh, good luck to her in her future endeavors. And to start the early prelims, we had Jessica Rose Clark taking on Juliana Stoliarenko. Stoliarenko goes for an bar immediately and gets it. <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't much to it other than hey, that. And we really had the card uh, bookended because in the main event, Israel Adesanya walks out to the Undertaker team, Undertaker theme song, and to start the right. card, Jessica Rose Clark walks out to the Shawn Michaels theme song. So, yes, but uh, unfortunately, the WWE uh, music didn't have the same successful result uh, for Jessica Rose Clark as it did for Israel Adesanya. It's because uh, it's because Vince wasn't sitting. Right, right by. If, if Vince had been, if Vince had been cage side, she would have. The performance would have hit another level. I'm sure. All right, so that was uh, your UFC 276 card. The performance bonuses. Uh, performance of the night went to Alex Pejea for his knockout of Sean Strickland, Jalen Turner for that incredible guillotine choke over uh, Brad Riddell. Julia Stoliarenko, who we just mentioned, also got uh, 50K for her armbar. And fight of the night went to Brian Barberina versus Robbie Lawler. So, uh, so. Yeah, so five performance bonuses handed out. All right, what do we have coming up? Next UFC event taking place next weekend from the UFC Apex, our favorite uh, venue. Uh, it's a pretty weak card. But it's a hell of a main event as you've got Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Rafael Fiziev. This fight has been booked before. Um, uh, Fiziev had to pull out because of COVID. And I think there was even another time that this fight got canceled. But it looks like it's it's actually going to happen this time. Uh, you excited about this one? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it's a good fight. Um, I'm not sure who's gonna win it. Uh, Dos Anjos is always very impressive at lightweight. He's a far better lightweight than he is a welterweight. Uh, Feziev, he's yet to have a miss. Every every fight he's had, he's looked fantastic to this point. So that's a worthy main event. And uh, Amin Zahabi on that card as well, somewhere on the oh preliminary my. portion. So somebody we haven't seen in a bit. 
And then the next time that we return for the UFC post show will be on July 30th as uh, the UFC returns to the American Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas for the long-awaited rematch between Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. Juliana Pena being the one to defend her title this time uh, after defeating Amanda Nunez last year. And uh, they were both on the Ultimate Fighter. So this is the cap of that. And as well, you've got the co-main, the interim title fight, the, the, the interim title fight that we really needed between Brandon Moreno and Kai Kara France. A very exciting fight on paper, but not really sure why it needs to be an interim title fight. Man, I'm just looking through this card right now. I can't believe this is a pay-per-view. This looks, this looks dreadful. Yeah. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anthony Smith versus Magomed Ankalaev. I mean, we know Anthony Smith headlines fight nights, but uh, pay-per-views? Come on. <laughs> uh, who else on here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty, it's, yeah, it's a pretty weak one. Um, we'll see if maybe they beef it up in some way ahead of time, but I, I, I doubt it. It's, it's, you know, less than a month away. So, uh, Yes, that's the next time that you will see myself. Uh, are you doing that one, or is John back for that one? I think I'm doing. I think that's on SummerSlam, maybe. So okay, let's see. Summer <laughs> SummerSlam date. Let's see. SummerSlam is August 21st, so maybe it's the pay per view before that. I don't know, I don't or know. it's some other. I don't one. know. Either. Anyway, whatever. We'll figure it out. There. We'll let maybe the people. We'll let the people decide. The people will decide that they want to hear you and John. So uh, after you two did such an amazing job on the preview show uh, this week, so uh, yeah. I mean, other than that, do we have anything else to talk about? Do, is there anything else to say? Do the people want to know anything? I don't think so. I think uh, we're ready to go. I think we're ready to go too. I'm uh, I'm very tired. All right. Well, you'll get a nap. I'll get a nap, and then uh, it's only three o'clock in the afternoon, Eric. The whole day is ahead of us. This is amazing. Instead of three in the evening or morning or whatever you want to call it, we get three in the afternoon. I I can't. I I I, I the whole day is ahead of me. Oh, it's fantastic. We really uh, lucked out due to circumstance here. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, once again, I want to thank you for uh, helping me out with this. And uh, thank you, as always, for everything you do in the Discord. And happy birthday. You know, birthday couldn't happen to a better dude. So I'm glad that they continue <laughs> to happen. <laughs> and hopefully there's more in the future. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of things to say. So I'm That's happy that fine. I'm happy that the show's not in smell-o-vision because I went to the gym and I didn't get a chance to shower. So that's my that's my next task. Okay, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've given away too much. Peace out. Thank you everybody. We'll see you next time. All right.